0: Welcome to the Good Theological Thursday podcast, where we have open conversations about theology and culture. My name is James Crockett.
1: And I am Dre Clark, and we are glad to have you join in our conversation today. We hope that this podcast helps you as you think about your life and God and how they fit together.
0: Welcome to season two, episode six of the Good Theological Thursday podcast. It is good to have you back with us uh, for our discussion today. Dre, as of um, today, I am 15 days away from being a married man.
1: And technically, this one comes out next week. So by the time people are listening to it, you'll be not 15. You'll be eight 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 days days away away Uh, from from the time that people are listening to this. Craziness. Uh, yeah, it's just Very exciting. Ready for it. Very exciting.
0: Yeah. This. Yes. Very very yeah. exciting. Uh, ready to. I think my fiance and I were both just ready to be done planning a wedding. So,
1: um,
0: <laughs> and just just move on with our lives. So, um, Let me continue
1: on. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I have thankfully blocked out most of the wedding planning stuff from my life. I'm that far enough removed from it, so I don't have to think about that but i know it was a very stressful time so um yeah but it's all worth it after it, it's, it's gonna be great so so it'll be yeah it'll be good man so almost there eight days 15 yeah. days from now eight days eight days. i'm excited that's right And i'll be driving down to so- dallas um yeah to go get a seat for that so it'll be good
0: yeah It'll be awesome. That's right. So, and, and, and we're going to do a podcast
1: before, right? Like that's still didn't we decide that? Is that where we ended with that conversation last week?
0: We're actually we're going to do it live from the wedding, like pre pre-cere- <laughs> pre ceremony. You know, like uh, sports where they'll have like game day. Maybe we'll have like a, a special wedding day edition. Yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure Abby's going to sure love that. She'll yeah Abby, I'm sure Abby is gonna <laughs> fully endorse me doing that, but um
1: well, you heard it here, so it's that's uh, it's gonna happen now so'll well, I'll be I'll bring the microphone yeah. so
0: yeah, oh um, my goodness
1: right now well, really um, exciting it'll be here it'll be be a good day and be here quick so and take your time and enjoy it
0: yeah, 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 we'll do. So uh today's episode, um excited about today's topic that we are going to be talking about theistic evolution, and is it theologically viable? Uh, Dre, I think this is a, a growing issue, especially um, in the Western world amongst Christians, maybe this pressure to think that we've got to accept some sort of evolutionary theory, and so maybe our best alternative um, to, reading Genesis, to still holding Genesis in high esteem but then still um, holding science in high esteem, is to accept theistic evolution. And so, um, yeah, we want to talk about that today, uh, whether that is a theologically viable position.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, I'm eating eating a cake right now. Not a cake, that's bad, it's morning. I'm eating zucchini bread from our local farmer's market, so... Just got to get the elephant mm. out of the room if you hear these noises in the background that I'm not going to edit out because I'm enjoying <laughs> my tea and zucchini bread. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited mm. about theistic evolution. I think it is a, you know, I, I'm beginning to wonder, James, as kind of before we go into our recommendations, I mean, um, this topic, I feel like it was a really big topic a couple of years ago, but I wonder how much um, in modern in post-modernity, how much people are really wrestling with this idea anymore too. So I'd love to get people's uh, feedback after this episode to see like, yeah, is this something that, that you come across? Is this something that... Um, you know that you experience them. Um, I know people that that hold to this. Uh, I think you do too, James. But you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's an interesting topic, and I do think it's it's still worth to address. I think it's still good to have kind of in the back of our minds and, and kind of in our pockets of of how do you respond to these things and how do you think about it because it's a it's part of a bigger conversation of how you how you do hermeneutics and how you uh, do theological method and how we you know uh reconcile faith and science which i think is very much a live debate and a very um live, living conversation that needs to happen in our churches so
0: yeah yeah so, i fully agree so excited about um, that um well yeah well before we get to that uh have more full discussion on this topic let's go ahead and jump into our weekly recommendations uh dre why don't you start us off
1: yeah, so my, um, I, I don't think I've recommended this book before, but if I have, then it's worth recommending again, um, and it just came out yesterday, and so I was, um, and you know, this would have been a week ago by the time you're listening to this, but I was, uh, I had to go drip, make a quick trip to Austin to go meet my new niece who was born on September 3rd, and so um, I listened to this audiobook on awesome. my, uh, almost half of it on the way there and back, but it's um, it's a primer for theological method by Michael Spiegel and Glenn Kreider. So these are two professors of mine who wrote a primer on uh, theological method, and it's an incredible, incredible book. It just came out. Um, I think it is a must-have for anybody that is wanting to even think about theology, whether you've already been doing it for a while or whether you're just jumping into it. Um, it really has um, a lot of good content for both. Um, even me, who've, who've learned and taught from, you know, been taught from these professors, I'm um, going back and, and re- listening to this book on Audible um, has just been an incredible thing. So, A Primer for Theological Method by Michael Spiegel and Glenn Kreider. I really recommend that one.
0: Awesome. Great. Uh, For me, so I'm actually going to recommend a book that's kind of, well, that's not kind of, that is related to our topic today. Uh, The book is called Theistic Evolution, A Scientific, Philosophical, and Theological Critique. Uh, This is edited by a number of people. Uh, J.P. Moreland, uh, who's a well-known apologist, Stephen C. Meyer, uh, 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 Christopher Shaw, and Gogger, and Wayne Grudem um, are the editors. And it's a collection of essays uh, looking at theistic evolution from three different sides. Again, like it says in the title, looking at it from a scientific side and that do we have to accept evolution as proven science and um is it is is theist theistic evolution scientifically viable um does it what are the philosophical issues with it and then what are the theological issues with it so those three different sides i think are all good uh they bring in authors who are experts on each of those sides um and and so it's something i appreciate especially like You know, as we talk about this episode, for me, um, you know, we're going to talk about theistic evolution more from a theological perspective. Mm -hmm. But like the scientific stuff, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I can't, you know, deeply talk about the scientific side of this uh, because I'm not a scientist. Um, And so, uh, so this will get, this gives like all these different sides to the debate. And so, again, that's theistic evolution, a scientific, philosophical, and theological critique
1: is it is it a pretty academic book, James? It kind of sounds boring just from you reading the title. <laughs> just just want to forewarn <laughs> um, our readers. My, I I did a really practical one today, and so just that book, uh, book kind of. I goodness. mean, uh, no, I'm just joking. Yeah, I
0: mean, there's there there is. I mean, there is some academics to it, but it's one of those. The good thing about collections of essays, you can go into a book like that, and you can basically pick the essays you want to read. Yeah, because and that's nice little short chapter um,
1: things, and kind of what your interest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, so you can find ones like, oh, that essay really seems interesting, and so, um,
1: so yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I I, uh, I I like those kind of books, too, because it's, you know, it's a little quick read, and, and it's your interest, but it's all, uh, does it does have a wide yeah. range, too. It sounds like with those authors, there's a wide range of views oh, and yeah. perspectives, too, so getting a good, balanced yeah. approach with it, so cool. I yeah. might have to, is that one on, do you know if that one's on Logos, or on Audible? Probably um, not on Audible.
0: I don't know. It's not on Audible. I don't know if it's on Logos. I mean... I mean, it's obviously on Amazon. I mean, it's it's a little more pricey book. I mean, I, I looked at it yesterday; it's like thirty five bucks. So, gotcha. it's a pretty hefty work. Um, I, but I would consider it more like a. Um, it's definitely like a resource type work, wow. you know, where it's you might not even sit down and you might sit down and read through the whole thing, but it could be one that you actually just kind of keep on your shelf and mm. hey, um, let me go back and let me read an essay on this. And so it's good, just like for maybe reference. Yeah. Um. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. Cool. Well, let's jump in for today. So we are asking the question. Um, asking everything about theistic evolution. Um, and really, is it theologically viable? Is it? Is this? Is this an approach that that we should or we can adopt into our faith? Um, this idea that um that that God exists, but so does evolution. That's probably a very basic way of saying it. That God exists. Um, and He uses. Um, even more specific, macroevolution is that. Is that what you think is kind of in play with that question, James?
0: Yeah, it's definitely more macroevolution uh, is what it's looking like. I don't think anybody. Um, they don't, they, they don't, yeah, I don't think
1: anybody should deny yeah. microevolution. I just feel like that would be it's yeah. very, very provable, um, very obser- yeah. very observable too.
0: Yeah, there's basically like three different. So Stephen C. Meyer, um, who takes a look at this as a scientist, he kind of gives three separate definitions of evolution. Um, First is change over time, which that involves the micro Mm -hmm. uh, you were just talking about. So I think all of us can accept that organisms and things change over time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one part of it. The other two parts though, for the second part is common descent. That is that everything that exists um, descended from one, single-celled organism and from that one single thing all life evolved right mm-hmm. um and then the third part of this is with Darwinian evolution is mutation and natural selection that um everything that exists is the result of mutations that are random and purposeless over time, um, through a process of natural selection. And so... I
1: feel like those last two really go together. To, I mean, are, are we saying these are three different definitions? Or are we saying these are all kind of... These are three aspects, aspects I would probably yeah, say. Yeah.
0: Probably three different aspects of evolution. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we're probably going to look more at the theistic evolution. I think the question of it comes more with those second two of, yeah. of common descent and... Uh, mutations and natural selection that all life is has come from a process of a progression of random various mutations that serve no purpose uh, and that you know it, through a through a filter called you know natural selection yeah. Um, yeah. kind of a rough definition of that so yeah. um and then in theistic evolutionist uh so i was reading there's a website if you want to know more about this theory um, Biologos is a website where they kind of promote this, and on their website they they call themselves evolutionary creationists, mm-hmm. um, and, and I won't get into. I mean, they they try to say it differs a little bit from theistic evolutionists, but um, I'll yeah, I mean it's I don't know, it, it, it's it's pretty similar. But anyways, they say evolutionary creation has two basic ideas: first, that God created all things. Including human beings in his own image, and then second, that evolution is the best scientific explanation we currently have for the diversity and similarities of all life on Earth. So that's kind of the issue we're addressing: mm-hmm. is this this thought? Um, Dre, I think it's important to point out that as we discuss this, we're not I, you like you said. You and I know people who hold to this. We are not saying that people who hold to this are, like, heretics or don't believe the Bible. Mm. Or outside the faith or anything like that. Yeah. And there's plenty of people that believe this, that love Jesus, that hold strong to the crucifixion, the resurrection, that hold to, you know, the quote-unquote core tenets of the faith. Mm -hmm. And so this is not a – like, if they hold to this, I don't see this as any sort of, like, heresy or anything like that. But um, so I think it is important to point that out before we get into this discussion.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think I think too just on that, um, it, you can. This is this is this is not a major issue, um, but at the same time, you know, there's it, it does every everything in theology. Whenever you start studying theology, you'll find that everything is it's not as clean and cut as we want it to be. It's not like well, I can have this aspect of my faith here and this aspect of my faith here and this here, like, and I think that's one of our arguments that we're going to say today is that at some point, everything does intertwine at some point, everything does connect. And so if you haven't made those connections, um, or if you try to throw this, um, theistic evolution into a, into some other realms, I think that you'd either, either be inconsistent or you'd have to start um. Really evaluating what do you believe about those primary doctrines, and so I think that's where it is an important conversation. And so people that yeah. people that hold this, they I believe that they're in the faith. Um, they're not heresies. I mean, there's nothing. But at the same time, I don't know if I would say that there's nothing wrong with holding it too. I think that we should evaluate this. Yeah. Um, I think anything we do in theology. If I change, if I change one of my perspectives on, uh, you know, sanctification or ecclesiology, right? Well, that that mm-hmm. at some point is going to be leading me back to my conversations of Trinitarianism or anthropology, um, right? And mm-hmm. so we, we we give these labels and we give these degrees of things, but there also is an element of our, our method that everything does come in contact with everything else. Um, and so I, I think it is yeah. worth evaluating, hey, if I do hold to this, um, maybe I've got some other questions that I need to say, well, if, if I believe in theistic evolution, how does that impact my view of anthropology or soteriology or sanctification? Um, and, I, and I would encourage people to to enter into the conversation, and I think that's a really healthy thing to do. Um, just like we should enter in the conversation of, well, why do you think this is true, and, and how do we hold in faith in science and some of those things? Um, so yeah, so I think it's yeah. I think it's important, and I don't so I don't want to just give a free pass of like here's just one of two options. Um, theology is a much bigger thing. There's a lot going on, and everything is connected. So
0: yeah, I, I think I think that's an important point. I think oftentimes people who hold to this view. I've heard people promote it and espouse it, and you know, there's this there's this idea that somehow we've got to include science in the conversation. Um, I, I do think it's it's important to point out. I mean, evolution still is a theory. Now, again, it's it's widely accepted, but I think oftentimes we feel like, well, evolution's just fact, so we have to accept it, so we have to make it fit this Genesis framework. And I don't know if that's really the right way to approach our interpretation of Genesis and uh, especially Genesis one through three. And, um, you know, another problem with this is I think people will hold to this because, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well then we can maybe, you know, compromise with the scientific community um, and all, and people who hold to this Darwinian evolution. But, there is oftentimes I I think not that they disregard theological problems, but I think there's an underestimation of the theological problems that this view poses. Um, and Dre, I think you're pointing that out really well. Of hey, there's some serious the If you're going to hold to a theistic evolution, there's some serious theological questions that you've got to answer. Um, and if you can't answer them, I mean it's 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 pretty rough, and so I mean, and we're going to point these out. But I, I think again, there's just some really serious theological issues here that will change how we. This isn't just a. Gen, I think we try to isolate Genesis here, and it's like, well, we'll just we'll kind of read Genesis this way, but then the rest of the Bible, it's okay. We'll just kind of move on. This, I I really do think that if you're going to interpret Genesis that way. It affects the whole of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects a lot of things that you've got to answer. Yep. So it's a huge thing, uh, and we're going to see that here today. Yeah. So um, it's important to point out we're not we're not talking about another side of this is we're not talking about an old Earth versus a young Earth um, argument. Uh, I think that's a separate argument. Yeah, um, there's plenty of people who are like creationists who would believe in an old Earth as well. Uh, you know, the position is called Old Earth Creationist. Yeah. Um, so that's not really our discussion right now. Um, uh, we're more talking about the origin of life. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I thought just making that qualification yeah. would help, too.
1: And I think I think one more thing on, you know, the topic of prologan. And hopefully people are listening to us and thinking, man, there's, there's so much pre-conversation before you can have a conversation. And that's good theology. You've, there's a lot more behind the scenes. And so I think another big thing that you have to address is that. Um, theology and science are not um, at, at odds with each other, right? Like, because um, yeah. what science is doing is it's, um, and same with same with history, same with uh, philosophy, same with experience, same with all these different things. Um, these are ways in which we interpret God's world, right? God has revealed himself mm-hmm. in three main ways. He's revealed himself in his word that he gave us. He's revealed himself in his son who he sent to the world, and he's revealed himself in creation, Right. And so, mm-hmm. this is these are the three authoritarian things that God has said. I this is how I show you who I am. And whenever we start talking mm-hmm. about those things, now we're doing theology. Whenever we start talking about those things now, um, there's room for debate. There's room for, for for thinking about it. Well, there's fallibility that can happen. There's, you know, there's different things. And so there's different levels of direct statements of Scripture down to, um, you know, how we look at science, how we how we interpret things, how we infer different things from from nature, how we infer things from the world to speculations that we have. Um, there's different mm-hmm. levels of how we do this. And so science is not pitted against. Uh, theology, science actually is is an is if you're doing theology well, it should be part of your theological method because it's looking at the world. Um, so, yeah. so I think that we've we got to say like this is not a debate against. Well, here's what the scientists say. Here's what the Christians say. Um, I don't think yeah. that is helpful for either one of us. I think we have to be in conversation with each other. And, um, and so there's probably a lot of stuff that we may be missing from a scientific side because we're theologians. Um, that's okay. It means yeah. we need to have those people who think that speak into us and we, we invite them into the conversation yeah. so, um, so this is not a yeah. it's not a, a one-way thing but but we have the theology piece someone else has the science piece and I think we should work together um, on these things yeah so
0: yeah and I think you know that's that's really where a lot of the problem lies isn't it it's it's mm. we've tried to say, these things are at odds with each other, or we've tried to put science in a box, theology in a box, philosophy in a box where these things are interconnected. Um, science, you know, as great a tool it is. And let's, you know, I think Christians can be accused of like thinking science is evil. And we're, we're not saying that, I mean, science is a gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's a gift from God. It, it is a, oh. I think you put it well, that it's a way to understand his world. Um, but uh you know science is not does not provide answers to every single problem that there is in the universe i mean and most and i'm not th- i'm not saying theistic evolutions believe that I mean, they wouldn't believe no, that no, no. that science doesn't hold all the answers um but sometimes i do think when it comes to this argument there's such a priority given to scientific theory mm-hmm. that there's almost a downplaying of the theological and philosophical. Mm-hmm. Um, problems that might arise and you've got to hold these all together. Um, and and, and we don't want to do the
1: same thing of say, well, let's just put theology over that. You yeah, know, exactly. We, because we, we need to work together. That's why God has created us. Yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's where the conversation begins. Um, so that being said, I think we've got three things, James, from a theological perspective, there's probably a couple mm-hmm. more, but there's three main things that, that whenever we look at this, it, we see we see the theistic evolution come into it, it touches these other realms of theology in three pretty big areas um, that we would want to mm-hmm. address and say well how do we how do we figure that out um, and so I think I think the first is you know a little bit deals with the his, history of interpretation um, and especially mm-hmm. when it comes to um, how do we interpret Adam as a role in throughout scriptures and so you want to talk about that a little bit James
0: yeah so theistic evolution there there's varying uh, to be fair, in theistic evolution, there's varying views on how to interpret Adam's role here in Genesis 1 through 3. The most extreme would be that Adam did not exist. Um, not every theistic evolutionist holds to this, by the way, but there is this idea that Genesis 1 through 3, or, I mean, we're, we're talking about Genesis 1 through 3, but Genesis 1 through 11, I mean, they might say it's all just kind of poetry and prose, and it's not to be taken literally. And so, they There is a there is this thought that Adam actually never existed uh, or that Adam was just this kind of device to talk about mankind in general. So there is not a necessarily historical Adam or historical Eve. Mm -hmm. So that's the most extreme position. Uh, The next position here would be that Adam and Eve um, were one of many humans that already existed on the earth. So the idea that there might have been a couple thousand humans that actually already existed, and what God did was uh he just picked Adam and Eve out of those two to be his, the the representative of the whole human race um and, and, and so and so this is kind of this is where this is maybe basically kind of two basic positions on who Adam is mm-hmm. um. Uh, and i think we have to point out some problems here with that and uh, some theological issues uh regarding the first one uh regarding that it what did adam exist if you read the scriptures again i think you point out the perfect thing we tend to read genesis 1 through 3 in, in this argument in isolation
1: mm-hmm.
0: you you can't do it um, Genesis is part of a larger Canon it is part of the Pentateuch it is part of the first five books of the Bible it is part of Old Testament there are New Testament authors that interpret this um, and in Paul's theology you know I, I I do more of my work in New Testament theology and and, and Pauline literature Adam is a very key figure yeah um, and Paul treats him very historical right so Paul says, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for all have sin. Um, right, And so he says, by one man, sin enters, and then he takes Christ in. And he says, by one man, reconciliation is brought to all. So That's Romans I think there's five. no doubt. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so there's no doubt that – and then 1 Corinthians 15 is mm-hmm. another like important passage here that talks about the role of Adam. Um, so Paul sees Adam as having an important role in the human race. That through and so if there's no historical Adam, you've got to answer the question of where how did sin enter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and if and if you want to hold that Adam's just one of many humans, well, at that point sin's already there because a, a theistic evolution argument would say, well, you know, these other people weren't necessarily, uh, you know, and, and what and some of my reading on this and hearing them talk about it is. These other thousand people weren't necessarily seeking after God, but God just selected these two. Um, you've also got the problem of like, was God not actively revealing Himself to these other mm. people that already existed? Yeah. Um, so there's some serious problems with that too. Yeah. Um, well, you have any other thoughts? Well, on
1: that? yeah. And I, I want to be fair. So Genesis one and Genesis two, there is um, like I so said, we're not talking about old earth, new. We're not talking about all of those things. There's a lot more to be said here. But one and two, there is a uh, disjunctive between the two, right? The, the creation order in mm-hmm. one and two. There's a lot of things going on that need to be reconciled. and need to be thought through theologically, um, well. Mm-hmm. But in Genesis one, whenever they say, you know, God says, "Let us make um, Adam in our image," right? And I, I would agree with mm-hmm. I would agree with people and say, yeah, that Adam that is a plural thing. That is that is man and woman, right? So mm-hmm. is it yeah. is it possible? That in Genesis one there is a creation of multiple humans, right? Like what the you know, is there is there a pot, that there is a lot of people there and all those things. I'd say sure, but but one they're being created. It's not you know so and it, it's so you can say well th- what's happening in one is it's all poetry, it's a song, and so there's a lot of people being creative. Well then how come in Genesis two whenever we kind of get. A more historical prose walkthrough of Genesis um, is it very? It's very clear that there's a, a male and a female. So um, I- instead of reading it backwards and saying, "Well, there was lots of people," then now we're just going to focus in on two. You know, what if what if we kind of read it together and say, "Well, what would the first reader of this see?" And then whenever you get into mm-hmm. Romans, you look at how everyone else was reading how Paul is reading it. Um, you know, he's essentially saying too that, that it's through one man, right? Um, through, through mm-hmm. Adam. And then th- that's also the way that salvation comes. So if there is something else going on, then now you've said that God is, has another part of creation that is not in redemption history because just through one man sin came, but through one man uh, salvation comes through Jesus. And so now you, you've you got this, this you get a lot of stuff that you'd have to think through if, if you're going to hold that theory. And, and, and why would God create these other people? Why You know, and then how? How come the story just focuses on two? What happened to other people? Are they removed? Um, And then you know, how? And then at that point, you've really moved far away from the theistic evolution part. You see what I'm saying? Like that, that you really you're not talking about that anymore. You're talking about this other problem of soteriology, Um, and so Mm -hmm. it it just really bumps into a head with that, and it creates a lot of problems. um, Where I feel like the Mm -hmm. the more probable um, answer, right, the, the more simple one, the one that makes more sense, is that. In the beginning, whenever God creates, um, He creates Adam, and that's two people. Um, that's that's a male mm-hmm. and woman, and um, mm-hmm. and and through this line of Adam, you know, it's 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 a real phys- figurative people, historical people, um, and then that, that that flows well through the rest of the narrative. Um, so it's yeah. it's not in disjunction with that. So it's what you've been saying too. But that that that's kind of, I mean, you you could read it that way. I want to be fair to what what people could see is that you could interpret Genesis one twenty six as multiple people, and I actually do. Um, but I don't think it's multiple multiple people. I think it's two people, um, because that, that's yeah. what you see next in the story. <laughs> um, I think the st- let, yeah. let the story interpret what it's wanting to say.
0: Yeah, um, Genesis two elaborates a little bit on what happened in Genesis one twenty six. There you go. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, and, and yeah, and, and so this is again we're talking theologically. This this is important to Christology, right? And so this is important to a view of Christ and what what is the significance of the gospel? What is the significance of what Jesus did? Genesis 1 through 3, it's important to realize that Genesis 1 through 3 really lays the foundation of all of Scripture. It lays the foundation of this redemptive narrative Mm -hmm. that occurs throughout the Scriptures, right? It's the beginning. It's the idea that God created everything good and, and that through one man, sin enters the world. And so all of a sudden, Genesis 1 through 3, Indicates to us right away, here's the need of the gospel. Here's the mm-hmm. need of Christ. Yeah. And and then... That's the story. Paul That's it. <laughs> will, yeah. And Paul casts Christ in the role of Adam in that he will... He says, um, by one man, death was brought into the world. So as by one man, life will be given to all men. This is 1 Corinthians 15. In other words, Jesus, what he did, he fulfills what Adam could not do he restores to mankind what Adam lost—the the chance to be, to fully reflect the image of God again. The chance to be reconciled back to God, to have this relationship, um, is brought through Christ, mm-hmm. and it is cast in the in the picture of the historical Adam. So again, I, I I would say, let's just say we have Paul here right now. If we were to propose this idea. Theistic evolution to Paul of either Adam was not historical, or Adam was just one of many humans that existed at the time, and God just kind of picked him out Mm -hmm. of all those humans. I think Adam. I mean, I think Paul would kind of look at you cross-eyed and be like, "No, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's right. It's not. It's Um, not
1: what the biblical authors. It's not the story they're telling, right? Yeah. Um, And so, so if so, if it is the case, if if this is what has happened, like if there is other people, if there is some sense of um, of macroevolution happening, and there's lots of people, um, it's like that story is not the story that we see, and, and that story really doesn't parallel with the story we see. Um, and mm-hmm. so the question I would say is, well, if it's not the story that they're telling, right, I think we can definitively say that no one has read that until, we've, we've, we've had to read that back into it if you're going to say that's true. That's not the story the Bible's mm-hmm. telling. It's something that we're isogeating into it. And then two, Mm -hmm. I don't think it runs parallel with the story because literally you'd have a whole nother group of people that would have nothing to do with the biblical salvation, redemptive history. And so Mm -hmm. I would I would just ask why, why? What would be the sense in 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 that being a part of God's design and creation? Right. What what, I mean, Mm -hmm. are these people, did God remove them from the earth? I mean, they can't still be here because then you're saying there's salvation that's not available for some people, but yet they're sinning. And so you, you just run into a hole, and, and whenever I would, would talk through this, I just, I don't see it lining up well, and that's why I don't hold to it. I'm not saying you couldn't hold to it, and like mm-hmm. I said, you could still hold to this and be a Christian, but um, you just have a lot to answer, a lot to explain um, when it comes to a biblical worldview, because um, that's it's yeah. just not there in the biblical worldview, and it doesn't fit well at all. It doesn't run alongside, it, it's just a whole other, it's almost like another tangent that's going off in a whole other direction. Um, of, yeah. of evolution. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but that, that's, that really is this historical yeah. Adam, this, um, biblical narrative, this Paul's usage of, of people and creation, um, even his usage of mm-hmm. Genesis one through three, all of those things. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to, we have to say, is it really, is it, are we trying to force this into there? Or is this the actual story that we, that we see seen that people have understood? So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this kind of leads us to a an, another question, another objection, theological objection, is the entrance of sin and death into the world. So one of the problems I've always had uh, mm-hmm. with this theistic evolution argument, and to be honest, I've just never really had a very satisfactory answer mm-hmm. given, or I've never heard one. Now, if someone's got one— um, I am willing to hear it, but the problem—the problem of death. So, evolution, you know, through random mutations, natural selections, it suggests that things die; that other organisms will then progress, right?
1: I don't think it even suggests right. it. I think uh, it demands it. I think that. Well, well yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it doesn't suggest; it demands mm-hmm. it. it. This is the theory. This is core yeah. to Darwinian evolution theory. The problem is, is the scripture very clearly states again. Well, let's go back to Romans five. For as by one man sin entered into the world. And then what? And then death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. So the indication in Romans 5 and the indication in Genesis 3 and Genesis 1. Genesis 1, number 1, states that all creation was good. Um, death is not necessarily portrayed in the scriptures as a good thing I mean the closest you get of course is Christ's death is good in that it brings reconciliation back to God but even then death is not the end of the story why because life has to be brought back right so creation is created as good so the idea that a good creation needed death I, I have a hard time reconciling that Genesis 3 and then uh, Genesis 2 the command to Adam and Eve do not eat of this fruit or you will surely die." Um, Genesis 3 clearly indicates after they sin, death has now entered into the world. And then again, Romans 5 says death enters through one man. So if you're going to hold a theistic evolution, you have to hold that death existed before Adam. And again, I I, I think there's some significant theological problems there Mm -hmm. of sin and death enters the world. Again, what is the story? Like you said, what is the story that scripture is telling? It enters through Adam and so, um, so that's kind of really the next big objection I have is you've got to solve the problem of how could death have existed before Adam, and even the idea of okay, if Adam was one of many humans that already existed, again, there's this thought that, you know, that sin already actually existed. There were people that weren't necessarily following after God. Mm-hmm. Well, again, the the story is told that sin was not in the world at that point. That sin actually enters through Adam. Mm-hmm. So that's a really big, significant question you have to answer.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and that is you know Romans the the, the the wages of sin. What we earn when we sin is death, right? That so death mm. death does come into the world because of sin. That's it's that's the wage. That's what you earn. So whenever whenever there is things that are against God, if there is unbelief in God, if there is this. Um antagonism towards God, the, the result of that is death. That's the wage that, that Romans teaches. Yeah. I, I would also even um I'd argue a little bit more strongly on that too. James First Corinthians fifteen, um you know mm-hmm. t- uh, starting in twenty two it says for in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So yeah. there's that story again. But then you jump down to verse mm-hmm. twenty six and it says that um the Christ is going to reign. He must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And what's the last mm. enemy to be destroyed in verse 26? The last it's enemy to be destroyed death. is death. And so I had a professor <laughs> yeah. that was very clear. Um, you cannot call a friend what God calls an enemy. That's not right. Yeah. And so um, I never call death good. Even whenever Jesus dies, I don't think that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Um, well, let, let me even clarify there. I mean, it's not a good thing because death, like like you said, so uh, yeah, I should rephrase that. Um Death was death was not a good thing. Why? Because Jesus' death is the result of what? It's the result of sin. Mm-hmm. Now it's not the result of his own sin. It's the result of our sin. It's the result of humanity's sin. Yeah. And so Christ has to suffer. Yeah. Right? Suffering is not a good thing. He has to suffer so that we would not have to experience this enemy anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Thanks for yeah, bringing some yeah. clarity. That's, that's not entirely what I meant yeah, to say. And I, I, yeah, I know so. it's new
1: exactly. Man. And I think that's, that's the key point. Man. And then once again, even that concept that you just said, that bumps into Trinitarianism, that bumps into, you mm-hmm. know, the, the Christological stuff, the, the virgin birth. I mean, like you're jumping into so many doctrines just by stating the things we've just said, which once again, just have a hard time um, because the enemy is death. Almost. It's really the point of Christianity is really combating death. Um, that is, mm-hmm. that is the story in, in a way that is the, that's the final enemy as, as Corinthians is going to put it. And so, and then people would say, well, so, so plants didn't die, you know, before the fall. And I would say, stop being dumb. like the, Death is not death of a plant. Um, it's death in, in the Bible is, you know, and you could go on a whole tangent of a word study on this, but it's, it's not breathing, right? Living things, things that have yeah. breath go away. Um, and so, mm-hmm. so this idea that that kind of death, um, it seems biblically that that's not part of God's design. Um, the death, mm-hmm. I would think that a very strong Christian statement would be a statement saying death is not part of the picture. Um, yeah. But yet at the foundation of, of any kind of evolution, um, of, of at least theistic evolution and macro evolution, at the foundation, it requires death in order to progress. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I don't see, I don't, I just see that there's very explicit statements in scripture that you'd have to, you'd have to really talk about um, to convince me that that is not what scripture is saying that death is a good thing. And that therefore it's part of the system that God originally designed. And that's part of his good creation. Um, whenever I clearly see it as, um, you know, eating of this dying, you will die is, is the Hebrew, right? Whenever the snake says that all these things. And that, that's, that was, that's what God says. Like, don't eat from this fruit. Um, and so whatever you want to see the story is, I think it's very clear to see that this is not a good thing. And and we can't call a friend what God calls an enemy. We can't call an intention of God, uh, what God says I've come to defeat. What what God says yeah. I'm completely against. Um, so that yeah. really is one of the the big big points um, in my view, um, and I think in yours too. So,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and then again, that that's the same issue with uh, sin enters through one man through Adam. I think Dre, we had an interesting discussion before this of kind of thinking through this of. You know, maybe the objection you might get was, well, no sin did enter or sin did exist because the fall of, you know, Satan, the fall of the angels at this point. Mm -hmm. But um, and so this might be an objection that's brought. But again, what were we talking about? How sin entered the world. world. So sin somehow an evil and rebellion had entered the system. Yeah. Right. But the physical creation, how did it enter the world? Again, the scripture is very explicit. It was through man. It was through Adam. And so, um, yeah, that's so, Romans yeah, five, just, yeah. Just, yeah that,
1: that, yeah. that was my kind of thought as I was trying to prepare for this, I, I was kind of trying to play an antagonist against myself. And I was thinking, well, if wages of sin is death and I, if, if my, if my thought was death can't exist, before the fall. But then I thought, well, did sin exist before the fall? I don't think sin is eternal. I don't think it's, it's coexistent with God. Um, I think it enters in what we would call the fall of Satan. So once again, now we're bumping into angelology, you know, demonology at this Mm -hmm. point. So see how everything's connected. And so I was trying to play that card and say, well, then could there be such thing as death before the fall? Um, But then Romans, it does say the way that death entered the world through through Adam, right? Um, and so, yeah. so there's something else going on. So, so could there be death before the fall? Um, maybe, but not in the world. Um, and so, yeah. so that it goes into your your demonology and angelology kind of thoughts there too. But yeah, it's still mm-hmm. it's just um, like I said. We just got the clear biblical narrative that we see is is this of of a historical Adam, one man brought brought the 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 death brought the brokenness right the vandalism of shalom mm-hmm. one man comes to restore shalom right this is the biblical mm-hmm. narrative um and so it, i just it's hard to put evolution into that narrative um, so, so then what, then what you have to do after that is say, okay, so now how, how do we reconcile science with this? How do we think through these things? How do we look at, at, at all these different, um, things that we've seen and things that we understand about it and how do we reconcile this? I think that's the next question. I think that's the next step is how do we, how do we continue the conversation, um, with this point of view with also what we see in science and, and like you said earlier, scientific theory, right? Um, you mm-hmm. know, w- what are the things that are more theory? What are the things that are more, um, fact right the things that are more observable and how mm-hmm. do we how do we reconcile and how should we walk forward and is theistic evolution the right way to go uh, me and you have come to the conclusion yeah. said probably not um but we would encourage you to think through that yourself too as well um yeah move forward
0: yeah I, I would also point out maybe one more thing um again so mutations and natural selection again the the idea behind Darwinian evolution is life comes through random purposeless mm-hmm. Uh, undirected mutations and natural select and through the means of natural selection and through all of that, all of a sudden humans existed, right? I, I think this is pretty incompatible with an idea that God, even, even if you're going to say, you know, God directed, maybe God directed creation or something. Again, that is incompatible with darwinian evolution why because all of a sudden if if there's any sort of direction so even minimally right Mm. so maybe a theistic evolution will say well god basically wound the clock so it's the idea that god kind of at the very beginning he started everything he yeah he set it all in motion knocked over the Um, first domino yeah knocked over that first domino but again what did god do at that point they would say um, I've heard this a theistic evolution a guy, a guy named Dennis Alexander, talked about this. The idea that even, even in biology, this idea that uh, that there seems to be some sort of parameters in in evolutionary theory, right? That things couldn't just there were guidelines, there were rules. So even if minimally you say God just tipped over the first domino, he set out the rules and then he just let it go, uh, and then he just kind of. Uh, you know theist. to be fair theistic evolutionists are not would not be deist in that they would say God just you know didn't wasn't involved at all they would say God kind of upheld the process but again all of that is direction like all of that is you can't say mm-hmm. that's undirected the moment God gets involved mm-hmm. or the moment God even sets the rules it's directed it's like you know, you know, football season has started. You know, once the lines are drawn on the field, like say, hey, this is inbounds, this is out of bounds, here's the line to the end zone. Okay, here are the different rules of the game. Here are the things you can do and you can't do. That is, you know, even just the setting of the rules is the a direction of the football game. So this idea that mutations and natural selection can exist with God creating, I do not I just do not see the ideas as compatible. And even I, even even conversations I've kind of heard about this, I haven't really heard a good answer of, if you're going to hold to a theistic evolution, you've got to at least, you've got to significantly modify Darwinian evolution because um, it, they just don't work together.
1: Yeah, and, and once again, I just, I would come back to that and say why. Um, the mm-hmm. the story that I see in scripture, once again, is not a God who's uninvolved. It's not a God who creates and leaves. Um, it's a God mm-hmm. who is involved. Um, yeah. And so why why would why would we say that there was someone that created and just left? What kind of God would that be? Um, mm. And and one, it's just not the one that I think any religion honestly points to. Right? I mean, some some do. There is deism. There's some thoughts, but um, it just you know at, at that point, it's just like we're trying to fit things together that um, that are really just nonsensical. Um, mm. it, it, and it's it's really just in my mind once again. If you're gonna put the label Christian on it, that means something, right? If you want to be a theistic evolution, um, and and to say I'm, I'm a deist, right. Or I'm agnostic or something like that. Um, that's, that's more understandable to me. But the second you want to say I'm a Christian evolutionist, right. Or I'm a, uh, I I believe in Christianity, but I believe in this. Um, you really have to answer that question of what is your view of God? And is that the view that people Mm -hmm. have always held of God because it's what he's revealed to us? Is that, is that, is that the kind of God that's real to us, Or we revealed a God who is involved and who is patient, who's compassion, who comes to the earth. Mm Or I mean, all these different things, um, you know, a, a guy that just flicks the domino and walks away—that um, that could be a version of some god, but that is not the Christian god. Um, I would I would argue very strongly against. Um, and so, mm. so that, yeah, there's a lot a lot of things with it, a lot of good things to think about. And once again, we're open to hearing uh, different thoughts. We mm-hmm. we hope we were sensitive with it. There's a lot we don't know. Uh, we can't know everything. This is a huge yeah. conversation. Um, yeah. But those things that we do know. Um, you know, we've talked about the historical Adam, the entrance of sin and death, um, this idea of a good creation not being random. You know, those things we do know are are pretty significant um in the biblical yeah. worldview. And they have been in the church, they have been in in, in the history of of faith for, for thousands of years. And so to be able to say, Oh, this one theory that came up in the Enlightenment, right, um is gonna now, mm-hmm. now rewrite everything, I would say Okay, if, if you're going to make that claim, you got to have a lot of good support, and you've got you've got a lot to answer. And I feel like there's just not answers to those things. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I would yeah. agree. All right, uh, I think that's a good wrap on that. Let's leave. Um, let's do a couple questions, food for thought. We started doing this a couple episodes ago, uh, so we want to leave you with a couple questions just to think about. And um, again, we invite you in the conversation with us as well. Uh, again, I, I would love to hear even thoughts from the other side of this of, Hey, maybe you've got some ways that you try to answer some of the objections we bring up. I'd love to hear those, but yeah. um, so food for thought. So I'll start with uh, maybe a two part question. One, um, how do you think the biblical writers would interpret Genesis one through three? I think that's a good exercise of how do you think the biblical writers would interpret Genesis one through three? And then the second part of that question is, are we imposing scientific theory on biblical text and links or are we letting scripture speak for itself mm-hmm. as are we imposing scientific theory on biblical text or are we letting scripture speak for
1: itself yeah. and i think another question too that um just a good question for anybody to just ask i would encourage you to ask your your friends your spouse um, your life group or this people that you're in community with is is just maybe get a good feel of why do you think there's a tension between faith and science um, I think that question is very, very relevant. Um, and, and, and should there be attention? And I think just um, start having that conversation because I think unfortunately we, uh, we pit them against each other and that's maybe not the best theological method. Um, maybe we need to reevaluate what what God has actually revealed to us and how he's revealed it to us. Um, you know, the Bible says, go look at the ants. The Bible says, go pay attention to the birds, birds, right? Like the psalmist, you look at your creation, it's telling a story. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't really see that as much there, but maybe talk about why, why you think it is there. Um, and really, is this a, maybe, maybe, maybe think of ways too of how can we bridge these together in a more um, healthy method and how can we, how can we approach scripture holistically and not just from our own vantage points? Um, so why do you think there's a tension between yeah. faith and science? Another good question to talk about with people.
0: Yeah, love it. Uh, again, thank you for listening today on this episode. Uh, again, we we always welcome feedback. If you would like to send us a question or you have some more thoughts on this, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can contact us either through our Facebook page. Uh, just search Good Theological Thursday on Facebook. Like and follow the page and you can contact us through there Or if you want to email us, you can send us an email at goodtheologicalthursday at gmail.com. As always, we'd ask if if you have time to leave a rating or review. We ask if, hey, if you think this might be beneficial to a friend, share this with a friend. Uh, We, again, more people involved in this discussion, the better. And so, Dre, I think that is all I
1: have for the day. Do we want to talk about what we're going to do next week? I say we leave it as a surprise for everyone, so join us back next week, and uh, we'll jump into another conversation about theology, culture, faith, um, and how all these things interplay with each other. Until then, have a good Theological Thursday. We'll see you next time. Bye.
0: See ya.